on women's Euros only better. We've already talked about England's chances of winning a home Euros. But what about the teams standing in their way? We've got the defending champions, the Netherlands, Olympic finalists, Sweden, a talented but flawed French side, a Spain team full of Barcelona-based superstars, an ever-dangerous Germany side, and plenty of other threats. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Women's Euros Only Better. Delighted to say that I'm once again joined by top reporters Abigail Davis and Faye Carruthers. Abby, this Group B is fascinating because you've got Spain, you've got Germany, and a lot of people are focusing on those two. But you've also got Denmark saying, hello, we're a good side as well. So potentially we could have a shock here by one of Spain or Germany, maybe not even making it to the quarterfinals. I th- yeah, I don't think you can ever write Denmark out. And I think they've proven that in, in previous tournaments. I think Spain, when you look at them, they're of course favourites because, as we mentioned earlier, what Barcelona did last season. And I think if it wasn't for that defeat to Leon, we'd genuinely be looking at that Barcelona side as possibly the greatest of all time. I think they were absolutely everything that you expect from that Barcelona side. You know, it's the same with their male counterparts. They're so easy on the eye to watch, the way they pass their way out of trouble. Everything that you expect from Barcelona. You expect them to dominate a lot of their games, especially in the group stages. But for me, the player that excites me, and I know we mentioned in Denmark, but the player that excites me, you have to mention her, is Alexia Pateas for Spain. She is one of the most technically gifted that we will see in this tournament, I believe. And she is someone that thrills me. And if if there were an opportunity to put a player cam on anyone in this tournament, it would be her. And I think whilst maybe not, I think she is quite high up in the in the market for top goal scorer, but I just think in terms of overall player of the tournament, we're looking at her as a contender because she is absolutely incredible in midfield it doesn't matter whether I know we mentioned earlier Faye said you know Lauren Hemp they were doubling up on her in that Netherlands game but sometimes you've seen Pateas in a midfield and she's got two or three on her and the way she just emerges with the ball is absolutely sensational you think that she is in a hole she's got nowhere to go and somehow she manages to weave herself out of the most difficult of situations she makes everything look incredibly effortless. And yeah, yeah, she's she's that one player in this tournament that I'm really looking forward to. Composed vision, the range of passing and good luck also if you concede a, a set piece against Spain <laughs> because she has shown that from the edge of the area, she has pinpoint accuracy. So yeah, you're probably going to find yourselves behind if you do concede a set piece. But it is probably the most exciting group, isn't it? Faye, what have you made of Spain? Because I guess there is that that feeling that you can port what Barcelona did across, but it doesn't often work like that. Obviously, different setup, different coach, you know, some different players. It, it, has there just been an assumption that it will work? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, look at France and, and Lyon. Everybody expected Lyon was so dominant in the Champions League and everybody thought that that would translate. And you look at the names on, on the France list and they've done nothing really when you think about it in, in, in major tournaments of late. They always just fall a little bit short. So I, I just think that you can't you can't nail that on. It's about the collective. And Germany, for me, in, in that group, they look like a real threat. And when you think about what they've done in the past, you know, 22 year reign as as champions, European champions is absolutely incredible. And you mentioned Denmark earlier. Um, they lost to Denmark at the last Euros. So yeah. that and that's what ended ended their um, their reign. So I'm really excited to see what they can do because. Um, they obviously lost out at the Olympics, um, so they're going to be quite angry about that. They've got a real young, new generation of talent coming in, Leah Schuler, uh, Julia Gwynn, as well as the, the more established stars. So I, th- I think in that group, um, they could cause Spain some real problems. Yeah, Clara Boul is a, is a terrific striker as well. They've got some real quality in there we've talked about France a fair bit Abby but I do think it bears repeating that Corinne Diacre the the coach who who once made um, a name for herself as as the uh, the men's coach at Claremont even though that didn't work out in the long term but she's made some extraordinary calls and not just now but in the past as well so we talk about France in the past as as a, a team of individuals rather than a collective kind of feels that way again yeah and I think you know a lot of that stems from the manager as opposed to the players and I think it's it's up to the manager to unite and and bring these together it almost feels like the players are starting to come together you know in their dislike for the manager because there are a number of them who've come out saying that the decision she's making the the upheaval during tournaments is very difficult to live with and you know, I think there are a lot of Leon fans, especially, who fail to get behind her. And that's that's incredibly understandable, given that two of the greatest players that France uh, boast aren't in that squad and aren't anywhere near that squad because of her dislike for them, because of something that's gone on, you know, off the pitch, I assume. But there are so many high profile players now and some even in that France squad who are now speaking out about her and and the chaos that surrounds her. But I think as well, it's important to remember, you know, that she came in in 2017 and she refuses to pick two of France's greatest players. She's failed this far to do any better than her predecessors. Yeah. They should be reaching the semi-finals at least. But am I confident, as I mentioned earlier, am I confident that they'd beat the Dutch or the Swedish in the quarterfinals? Absolutely not. So, you know, they are, she's making these bold calls, these bold decisions, and it's not bearing fruit. It's not, she hasn't got anything to back this up. There is nothing to suggest that what she's doing is right. So at some point, her job has to be questioned, surely, because she's making these bold decisions that are not working out for her. I I just think the whole situation is ludicrous. And we've seen this before in tournaments where as soon as things start to go wrong for a team, Whereas if you've got a good group, they all kind of hunker down and kind of get through that adversity. 
Whereas actually, if it goes the other way, then the whole thing starts to fall apart. We know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds, over under and goal markets on the sports book, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Faye, I want to talk about the Dutch because, as you said, they surprised everybody by winning in 2017 under Serena Wiegmann. But they do have some world-class players, don't they? I mean, there, there is some genuine quality. Did it did it surprise you how they fell apart against England? Or is that just something they can write off and say, well, it's friendly, it doesn't really matter? Or is that a genuine concern for them? I think it's probably a concern. But, you know, much as we might think that you know, it was a surprise them winning in 2017. They did go and back it up by making the finals of the World yeah. Cup two years later. So, you know, they're definitely under Serena Wiegmann were a team to watch. Under Mark Parsons, um, he's a great coach, um, lives out in the States. He's an Englishman. But there was something mentally fragile about them in that second half. You know, the circumstances of which Sharida Spitzer's um, penalty hit the bar, a lot of antics from uh, Mary Earps, which clearly put her off. Um, to then concede the ball and, and concede a goal on the counter-attack, like seconds later, that's not a good look. And then to completely collapse from that. And actually, uh, Sari van Wienendaal, who's their number one goalkeeper, was at fault for most of those goals. Her footwork was was not great and she's usually pretty, pretty solid. So, yeah, I think under a new coach, they're obviously doing different things than, than what they had under, under under Serena Wiegmann. They were they will have been disappointed with their showing at the Olympics. They conceded three goals in qualification, scored 48. Their oldest player, who has the most caps... Um, 200 she made her 200th against England at Ellen Road the other night is Sharida Spitzer she scored 10 in qualification they need some of the youngsters to start you know doing something special I feel otherwise it's going to feel very much as if they have missed their opportunity um, and and their kind of seasoned um, what's the word I'm looking for their, their, their time is over and Serena yeah. Wiegmann was the piece of the puzzle that makes them successful they need to try and prove that that's not the case and you mentioned those youngsters that are coming through and the fact that they need to of course start delivering they've got quite a bit of youth in their back line as well haven't they you know we've seen Annie Knoen for you know in the Premier League and she's occasionally when I've seen her at club level She's someone who I still can't work out. I think she's got all the makings of being a top defender, especially in the middle of a back three. But she's also put in some rather dodgy and nervy performances there as well. I think one of those was against West Ham. And it's her distribution, her passing out from the back has at times looked a little bit edgy. And you just think that going into a major tournament someone like that who's maybe not established herself yet and is still you know very much starting out in this game not getting regular game time at club level is this tournament going to come too soon for players like that you know she's going to be in that back line for the Netherlands she needs to be concrete in what her decision making is in these games and I think at times of course when I've seen her for Chelsea she has thrived but she has looked a bit nervy as well and 
And I just think with her game and her understanding of the game still developing, it'll be interesting to see whether that inexperience is a big factor for the Netherlands in this tournament. Fair, at the top end of the pitch, they've got some real quality though, haven't they, the Dutch, despite all of the kind of structural issues you've mentioned, there are some real star talent there. Um, yeah, you can't look past Vivian Miedemar, of course, Arsenal striker. She's absolutely phenomenal. It's a shame we didn't get to see more of her actually against England at, at Ellen Road the other night because um, she didn't really showcase what we know that she can do. But when you have a player like that leading your line, you know that you know, if you're stuck in a game, she can come out and produce a, a moment of magic, which is exactly what the Netherlands may use. You then add uh, Barcelona's Lika Mertens into that as well. Um, you know, she scored against uh, against England. Fabulous header from a corner from Sharida Spitzer. You know, that they have potency up front. So even if they are weak defensively, they've got players who can who can turn things around very quickly. Sweden are a really interesting team, Abby, aren't they? Because we know that Magdalena Eriksson's been a brilliant player for Chelsea. They've got lots of attacking talent as well. But it feels like there's a good collective there, good coach, a real unit. And if you're going to knock them out the tournament, you're going to have to do it the hard way, aren't you? And there's a lot of people that look at their tournament records in, in recent tournaments, including the Olympics, where they came ever so close, and are thinking they're a real threat. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the betting market, I think they're quite dark horses, aren't they? Yeah. In order to to progress. But they're incredibly well organised. They're steady. They're solid. They've got talent throughout the squad. And I think that's a key that you just alluded to there is that they've got incredible talent throughout the squad without really having a standout player as such because they're all of quite a similar level but they all contribute and maybe you have got a few players in there who you know statistically do better but you feel that they all when they play for Sweden all up their game to a certain level and they all perform to a, a consistent a consistent level so yeah they've got a wealth of experience in their quality up top as well Rolfo was part of that of course that dominant Barcelona side last season and yeah, they're a, they're a squad that really, really do excite me. And I think that since that heartbreak in the Olympics, you know, missing out on penalties, they've they've really gone from strength to strength. And of course, beating Brazil in a friendly last night, you know, that's hardly a sign of weakness or a bad sign going into a major tournament, is it? So yeah, Sweden for me are ones that I'm really very much looking forward to watching and seeing what they can produce because I don't think many people are talking about them as contenders, but I think they should be. Yeah, they've oh, not I think lost. I, I... Oh, Sorry, on, Kev, you go. No, you go, you go. They've not lost since mm. that Olympic final. Yeah. And I think when I wrote a preview piece for our website, betting.betfair.com, they were 9.5 on the exchange. And I've put that up as a tip because I do believe that that's going to come down. I think they'll, they'll they'll qualify from their group. I think they're going to be really dangerous opponents in the quarterfinals. So I think that 9.5 is going to contract pretty soon. Faye, what have you made of Sweden? Because there is that solidity. And also you've got players who are either closing in on 200 caps or have got over 200 caps already. And with that depth of experience, you can pretty much dig yourself out of any situation, can't you? 
You can. And add to that youngsters who are plying their trade now in the WSL in Stina Blackstenius as well, who, of course, was brought into to Arsenal. Essentially, when we thought that Vivian Miedemar wasn't going to sign a new contract for, for Arsenal, that Stina Blackstenius was going to be her out and out replacement. Actually, them working together it is fantastic to watch on the pitch. And, and she's absolutely fantastic. And she's actually um, won uh, in 2015 the uh, Euros title for the under 19s for for Sweden so she's a born winner as well and I think that's going to be really important and I, I like the point that Abby made there that there aren't necessarily you know big names but they come together I feel like she's got a little bit apart from the Gareth Bale effect she's got a little bit of Wales sewn in there as well they all come together and uh, and, and do it when they need to but I, I think you know and, and I wouldn't call them dark horses by the way either I think Sweden have got a very very good chance of going all the way yeah, I do think that price is uh, definitely worth looking at. And you can check out the Betfair Boost, where you can boost the odds of our already boosted Euro selections each day of the tournament with the tokens in your bet slip. T's and C's in the description, 18+. See gambleaware.com. Now, whenever there's a major tournament, there's always a focus on who might be the top scorer. Uh, I've already mentioned that I think Lauren Hemp's too big at 33 to 1. She's 9 to 1 to be England's top scorer. If Norway do well, Hegerberg, we've mentioned a chunky price at 20 to 1. Ellen White leads the market at 6 to 1. Marie Antoinette Katoto, incredible player, 13 to 2. And Vivian Miedemar, who we've already mentioned, 7 to 1. Faye. Who stands out to you? Who are we missing? Who should we be looking at for that top scorer prize? Well, I think Ellen White, as, as we mentioned already, you know, 50 goals for, for England, top scorer. If she recovers well from COVID, I think she can do something really special. Vivian Miedemar, as was also already discussed, um, phenomenal in front of goal and so potent and so ruthless when she wants to be. Um, it's going to be really difficult. I actually think this is one of the toughest ones to call this, this year because there are so many young players that perhaps people don't know about that are, have been outstanding in in the league and there's always the opportunity for somebody to come and have a great tournament Abby mentioned Beth Mead earlier on there and, and perhaps you know I, I don't know what her odds are but you know that people won't necessarily mark her out straight away you know they they look at the big names of Ellen White and, and Vivian Miedemar instead but I think it could end up going to to a dark horse player of the tournament that none of us are expecting. Abby, who's that? you've mentioned Pateas already, but who stands out to you? Yeah, Pateas, definitely for player of the tournament. I don't, I don't think she's got bad odds to, to be top scorer either, maybe somewhere in the 20s. But Peniel Harder, I don't think you could ever rule someone like that out. It depends on the run, of course, that Denmark go on. But she's certainly one of the standout players in that squad. Um, of course, you know, a hat-trick on a senior debut for Denmark at the age of 16. That was 13 years ago, and she's she's not looked back since then. She's now Denmark's top goal scorer, as well as being a top performer at club level. So it'd be interesting to see what price she's at, just as a bit of an outsider to pick up that award. Um, but yeah, I think Beth Mead as well. I think that'll be where my pound goes, Beth Mead. Just the pound. Just the conservative. pound. Quite right too. Yeah, it's interesting, Denmark, because people look at that group and think Germany, Spain. 
But as we've mentioned, people are sleeping on Denmark a little bit, Faye, because Penilla Hard is one of the best players in the game. We know that, not just in terms of what she's done at international level, but at club level as well. And I think they're 44 to win the tournament. But if they get out of that group, and we've seen that they can go deep in tournaments, we've seen that before, if they get on a run, they might be tough to stop. But nobody's really talking about them as potential winners, though they don't seem to be. Which I find really strange, bearing in mind they were runners-up in, in 2017. Yeah. It doesn't Is really make group, much sense though? to me either. Is it because the group's so hard? Yeah, probably. Uh, and, and that is, you know, I, I don't I don't agree with this kind of group of death uh, discussion in, in, in many ways. But it's, it's the toughest group, isn't it? it, it, yeah. it on, on paper, it's the toughest group. But then again, I think they'll thrive on being the underdogs in that situation because they'll have the ability to to perhaps I mean look teams will have done their their homework on on Denmark they know exactly what they're what they're capable of um but I I think don't underestimate them that's going to be the group I think that's going to open everything up and give us more of an indication about how the tournament's going to go which I know sounds like the most obvious thing to say in the world bearing in mind (laughs) it's a knockout competition and we have a group stage but but do you see my point yeah completely i i i look at this tournament and find it fascinating because often when you come into a major tournament you look at two or three maybe four and you think it's going to come from them it's the win is going to be one of them i don't see it that way with this i think there are you know six seven eight teams that could potentially win it and i think that's what's going to make it so fascinating you'll have group dynamics as well because you know winning your group might be important but in the case of say england's group for example they might end up winning the group and then they might get Spain or they might get Germany or as we've said, they might get Denmark and think, oh, great, that's a real prize for winning our group. So, Abby, actually, it's wide open, isn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. And I think going back to Faye's point there on Denmark, you look at when they missed out on the World Cup, look at the fire that that lit in them collectively. And, you know, since they've moved to a different setup, a different formation of 3-4-3, they've They've been a completely different threat as well. So I think you look at those, yeah, I think they are someone, maybe when I said about, you know, Sweden being maybe, you know, the wrong price, you look at Denmark and and I think, do you know what? This is why I'm only putting a pound on Beth Mead because I think I'm probably going <laughs> to put a pound each way on the likes of Denmark. But no, you think it's fantastic for a tournament that is going to do so much for women's football, for young girls who are going to watch. And, you know, we can wax lyric about what this tournament is going to do for the landscape of football in the UK. But when you've got so many teams competing, you see it in every sport, don't you? That when you don't have a runaway favourite, when you have so many, for someone who may be new to this sport, maybe new to women's football coming into it, it makes it more exciting as a spectacle when you haven't got that runaway leader. So, I think, yeah, that's going to captivate and capture the attention of so many more people as well. So it's important not just for those of us who are immersed in the game, but also for those who may be introducing themselves to this game for the first time. And just just a final point on, on the tournament in general. A lot of the games are sold out. I'm taking my kids to a couple of the Group B games, so I'm really I'm excited about that group, I have to say. But... I must admit, I found it difficult to get tickets. You know, there weren't many left. And I think 
some people maybe felt that all the England games would sell out and then they might struggle with some of the others. But that hasn't actually been the case at all, has it? There's been a real appetite to go and see these games wherever they are in the country. Yeah, but I, I don't know why people would think that that wouldn't be the case. It gets so underestimated, yeah. the women's game, because the opportunity to take, you know, and it's not just kids, by the way. I know it's really easy to always market women's football as being um, directed at kids, but that's actually I'd be not in the real case. trouble if I didn't take my kids with me, put it that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I mean, if yeah, said I, I was get going that. And not them, I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> But you know, but I mean, I find it strange that the kickoffs are at eight o'clock if they are indeed marketing at kids because I find that really odd. Um, I think there is an appetite for tournament football. You get once yeah. you get into it, you know what it's like. You, the, the build-up kind of happens, and you know, you're like, oh gosh, more football. Okay, but we've had enough of a break between football that everyone's like, right, give me more now before the start of uh, the start of the season. And so I think, you know, that's people want things to do and they want something to get captured in. They want a second team. They're not just always going to support England that they, they want someone else to keep an eye on. We've all done that. You know, we've been yeah. football fans since we were kids. It's it, it, it takes you through to adulthood. I've got my Panini sticker album. I'm, you know, giddy pants excited about it all. So I think once once things kick off, that's exactly what's going to happen. And you'll find that where there are tickets, perhaps um, still available for some of the matches that, that look less desirable on paper, if you like, that actually we, we will see those tickets sold. And right at the end of the podcast, we got one of the greatest phrases ever used in the English language, giddy pants excited. I'm off to get that, I'm off to get that tattooed somewhere right now. Uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Women's Euros Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. We'll have further shows once the tournament kicks off. Every single game will be previewed on our website, betting.betfair.com. As I mentioned, there are already some preview articles up there from Abby, from Faye and from me. It's goodbye for now.